Bada bing, bada boom. That one was a crisp one. It was an acapella. Thank you, sir, for your service. Welcome to today's mini-sode. Is it a mini-sode? We're just going to have to find out. Now, I have been talking about this for quite some time, and I find it fascinating. You know, like those silent retreats rich people go to? I just don't understand it. We talked about this recently. I'm like, how do you just pay someone money to just shut up for the weekend? You could totally do that at home. I will pay money. You would pay money for yeah. me to shut up for the weekend, not for you to <laughs> shut do, up. I'll do it with you, you know? <laughs> You're like, if it means you'll shut up i'll go anywhere and i'll pay any amount of money <laughs> so people will just go and they'll pay for the entire weekend to just shut up and meditate some people will go and they'll do these juice cleanses i mean these juice brands they will charge you like 500 something abnormous something insane for you to just cleanse your system with juices for three days so today we're talking about the real life example of a serial killer who starved all of her patients a doctor who straight up starved all of her patients and they paid big bucks for this they knew that they were going to be starving for like 40 days at a time they paid her all the money in the world and said yes starve me fascinating no now a couple warnings i just want to say that uh eating disorder trigger warning there's not going to be eating disorder talk per se but it does heavily involve food heavily involved weight loss and all of that stuff this yeah so if you're sensitive to that please i don't want to like trigger anyone and then secondly i i do talk about fasting in this one a lot and i want to say that fasting for religious purposes is a completely different reason a lot of these people went to this doctor because she claimed i can cure you you got that cancer I can cure you. You got tuberculosis. I can cure you. You have AIDS. I got you, Boo Thing. Like just all of that. She just was making everything. these. She said everything is a result of overeating. So the cure is to not eat at all. That was her thing. <laughs> that was like her slogan. She says the human vice, the worst vice that humans have, is overeating. But, That's how we're all gonna die. But she's eating. But she's straight up eating. See? people these days hmm. so like i said complete difference in like religious fasting this has nothing to do with it and it all takes place in washington state in a place called olala which sounds beautiful isn't it and it is beautiful they've got like strawberry fields they've got all these mountains it's it's by the sea they've got these cliffs that just drop off into the mountains i heard that there's so many oysters and clams on the shore that you have to wear these like thick boots to walk otherwise your feet are just gonna get mauled by these oysters so these boy scouts they love gathering there even to this day i heard they love gathering at this little hillside they've got the fire going the s'mores going and they're talking to each other like hey let's do a little campfire story time you guys tell me a scary story and i'll tell you one and one by one they start talking about the crazy doctor that used to live here doctor starvation they said she would lock up all of her patients a lot of them were considered mentally insane she would starve them they would be nothing but skin and bone just wandering around the mountain looking for food they would come up to the locals and be like please can I have some food? And the locals would say, no, 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 the doctor is going to get mad at me. And they would just be sent back into the sanatorium, which is an abandoned hospital at this point. It was a white building with three stories and a basement at the time. Like, it's spooky, very spooky. And then they would all die one by one. And this doctor would just bury them there. I heard, I heard a kid was digging a pit and found a human skull. Now, most of this would be true. 
So it all starts with Dora and Claire Williamson. Well, Dorothea and Claire Williamson. And they're from the UK. Super wealthy sisters. They're about four years apart. So Claire is the younger one. And I'm just going to give you a rundown on how wealthy they are. Dora was born in India. Claire was born in London. They went to school in Switzerland, England, and France. And they traveled the world all the time. And here's the crazy thing. Because both of their parents have died, they controlled their entire fortune. So their dad had died shortly after Claire was born. And then their mom died like when Claire was 14 and Dora was 18 years old so they were orphaned and it was just like the two of them doing everything together right they had a couple other siblings that ended up dying from scarlet fever because this is an older story okay you're like scarlet fever I know the Scarlet Witch, okay? WandaVision. No, but Scarlet Fever. They died from Scarlet Fever when they were super young, which by the way, did you know there's something called the Dick Test? The Dick Test. I was confused What's by it? that. I googled Scarlet Fever and they said, hey, to back in the day to find out if you had immunity to Scarlet Fever, you did the dick test. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what kind of test? Um, it's not as interesting because it was actually invented by the dicks. It was a couple. Mm. Yeah, so it just shows if you're immune to it, essentially. And they also created the antitoxin to Scarlet Fever. But anyway, side note, they have some family here and there. They've got some loving aunts and uncles all around the world. They have their beloved nanny, Margaret Conway, who's going to become very important in this story later on. But they were essentially left to themselves to control $28 million of inheritance, plus tons of land. They had land in Canada, the United States, England, and Australia. Now, this is happening in the early 1900s. So the fact that these two women controlled this amount of money was remarkable i mean this was insane so all these men they'd be like wait you control all this a girl like you that's crazy i'm a banker you know and i know where you can park your money just park it right there and i will grow your fortune by the bajillion folds you know men with these great big plans for their money were constantly coming around and dora being the older sister she was a little bit smarter like street smart and she would tell claire listen that man that little investment banker is not going to change our lives we're not going to hand over any money to this little sleaze in a suit we're going to be fine so dora seemed like she was kind of in charge of everything but she was also so in love with claire like this was her baby sister so she did anything that claire wanted and all this did was push the sisters together even closer So by this point in the story, they're unmarried in their 30s, which huge back in the day. That's like unheard of. That's insane. People are looking at you like, are you a spinster? What's going on here? And they just never met a man that they felt like was worth leaving the other sister for. No man was good enough for them. And they just had really interesting personalities. So they're the type that would be the only ones in the hotel lobby not wearing corsets, which is weird. Back in the day, like you got to tie it up. You got to you got to corset it up. And they weren't wearing it they told each other that it's the devil's invention it cuts off circulation it chokes the digestive trap now to be fair they were already super thin and youthful and beautiful and rich so it's kind of like a like a situation and they were real ladies you would never see their real hands like they would only wear gloves the whole time they did the tea time yeah they were super british all of that so they're traveling from england to toronto when they come across all of this whole starvation famine and just shit show okay so they what they really wanted to do was head over to vancouver which they thought okay there's going to be this beautiful beautiful hotel above the seawater and they were thinking about maybe settling down in canada forever maybe we can bring our nanny margaret conway from australia have her live with us in british columbia we heard it's the best place ever so they're trying to get this question you know like is this what we want to do with our lives that was like a big thing for them they kept asking themselves 
what is the purpose of life? They would ask each other, if not money, what would make us happy? You know, why are we not happy? And it seemed like Claire was the one that was super distraught by this. And she would constantly ask her older sister, why am I not happy? And Dora just didn't have an answer. Now, they weren't the only rich people asking themselves that, okay? They weren't the only rich and unhappy people because there were so many businesses that were starting to pop up all over the world that were centers of healing, of physical healing and wealthy sanatoriums for you to just come in. It's like um, like a super fancy retreat is how I would kind of envision it in today's terms, like a silent retreat in the woods. Like you pay thousands of dollars, you get this beautiful room overlooking the water and you're just silent the whole time and you're like, oh, I'm just like so in tune with myself. Like that's kind of what they were into. And so there were so many doctors saying, hey, I'm going to promise you health, mental soundness, as long as you have a ton of money, anything is possible. And by this time in their travel, they had been to a ton of these places already, like a ton. It was more like a hobby for these people. So as they're reading this newspaper, the sisters, they see an ad from the Seattle Daily Newspaper. And it says, Dr. Linda Hazard. Yeah, her last name's Hazard. Like, turn your hazard lights on like this is hazardous. And she's promoting her book, Fasting for the Cure of Disease. So they start kind of, you know, looking at this ad like, wait a minute. We haven't done one of these retreats in a while. Maybe, maybe she can cure us. Maybe she can fix our health. Maybe, maybe we can be happy now. So they actually write a letter to her. Now, Claire is known to be the super dramatic sister. So she played it up. She said, listen, my older sister, Dora, I mean, she's been puking this whole trip. She can barely keep a strawberry down. I mean, it's been disgusting. Her feet are purple. I don't know what's happening. Meanwhile, Dora's sitting next to her completely fine. Like the woman is fine. But she's like, please help us. We need a doctor to help us. Why are they writing such a they weird just, letter? She's just um really into the dramatics, Claire. <laughs> Huh, okay. Yeah, and she also seems kind of like a hypochondriac in a little bit. So a few days after they send off their first letter, because there's no phones back in the day, they get a package at the hotel, and it's the book that Dr. Hazard, Linda, had written. And they read every single word of that book, like from cover to end, everything. And she just talked about how every single disease was caused by dietary factors. And the only solution is the fasting treatment. The only disease is impure blood that's caused by impure digestion and that leads to other diseases so all you have to do is cleanse your body all you have to do is reset the foundation just like you know get all the toxins get all of the poison out of your butt that's it so the sisters they fall in love with this i mean they were already vegetarians they're not crazy super foodies at this point and they always thought that modern medicine was for fools so traditional doctors they know better i mean it's just better to go the holistic route that's that's kind of the vibe that they were on so they're reading this and they th- they're thinking to themselves well what what if she's our doctor And they both kind of get giddy at the idea. Like, we've never done a fasting treatment before. I mean, that sounds that sounds new and revolutionary. Look, look on the book. It says that she is the only certified fasting specialist in the whole world. That sounds fancy, doesn't it? Well, why? Yes, it does, Claire. So they start kind of hyping each other up about this. Now, inside of that book, they find this brochure. And it says that she's opening up a Hazards Institute of Natural Therapeutics in the countryside of Seattle in a town called Ola La. They were like, well, doesn't that sound like a song? They're like, well, let's ask around. Do you guys know about Oh La La? And everyone's like, oh, yeah, it's lovely. I mean, there's fresh air, there's seawater, there's there's wooded parts. It's almost like a forest. I mean, it's beautiful. I heard I heard Seattle, like all the wilderness around Seattle is beautiful. Wow. 
a retreat in the woods and we do this new treatment with this world-renowned fasting special what what do you think sister should we write her back so they immediately write her back like we would love to come to your sanatorium we want to be your patients we're so sick please take us in now what were they sick with that was the question i had the whole time dora's condition the eldest sister she believed that she had swollen glands she said that she had so much pain in her knees the london doctor told her that her uterus had dropped back into her spine and and her ovaries were inflamed. Okay. <laughs> okay, so she was like, oh my gosh, this is no wonder. No wonder I don't like meat because I get indigestion. I always thought I had a delicate stomach, but it's because my uterus is killing me. And then Claire's condition, I mean, the London doctor pretty much told her the same thing, that your uterus dropped back into your spine and your ovaries are badly inflamed. This doctor sounds <laughs> Does that sound right to you? I mean, I don't know. Maybe back in the day it was a little bit different, but I, I have never struggled with my uterus dropping back into my spine yeah i don't understand maybe it has also means. has to do with the clothing back in the day i was watching these ah. crazy videos about how clothing back in the day would really really Push mess you, up yeah. yeah so maybe it was that so she was like oh this is real i'm actually sick so claire started this treatment it's called cotton batting i think where you grab cotton balls and you soak them in boric acid and glycerin and then shove them up your hoo-ha and just like let it cleanse your hoo-ha it's supposed to take the inflammation out of the ovary I googled it. So boric acid seems to treat yeast infections. I can't really find this specific treatment, but I also did Google like verbatim cotton balls soaked in boric acid plus glycerin in vagina. <laughs> so I don't know what that means. About what did Google. you find? Like nothing. They would just say that boric acid is treating like yeast infections, but I think they mean pills. Yeah. yeah you yeah. know, modern medicine stuff. Uh, Urban Dictionary had one that was called cotton balling. And I was like, oh, is this a hit? clicked on that it's when you soak alcohol into a cotton ball and then shove it up your rectum to get drunk faster okay i feel like nobody should do this huh yeah and i'm like you could either just drink to get drunk but i guess you could just go cotton balling it's weird so she hated this process of you know putting these cotton swabs up her hoo-ha i mean who would like it so she started asking that doctor that prescribed this other questions like where else am i sick where else should i feel pain and she felt like the doctor didn't know so she was like you you're a phony doctor modern medicine is all a scam and i'm getting frustrated why don't i feel as good as everyone else so the sisters they were really really nice they were really generous people but at the same time they were they were kind of complainers you know they're a little bit privileged so they would go around complaining about how much they're in pain and they would ask everyone why aren't you complaining as much as me because you're not in pain and everyone would think to themselves no it's because i just don't want to complain all day i am in probably more pain than you i'm just not complaining about it so mm -hmm. they're like why why are we so sick so they come up with this own theory by themselves that when the mom was pregnant with claire the dad was super sick at the time you know and mm -hmm. the mom was going through all this stress so it means that she must have had some nervous breakdowns some anxiety and that caused claire to be sick are you carrying a credit card balance month after month? Listen, I know the pain. You're not the only one because high interest rates make it so hard to pay off your debt. But Upstart can help. You can actually join thousands of happy borrowers who have made it to the finish line, to that final payment. Upstart is the fast and easy way to pay off your debt with a personal loan all done online. So whether it's paying off those credit cards, consolidating high interest debt, or funding personal expenses, over half a million people have used Upstart to get 
get a simple fixed monthly payment. And this is something that I really love about Upstart is that unlike other lenders, they look at more than just your credit score. So they look at your income, your employment history, and that means that they can offer smarter rates with trusted partners. With a five minute online rate check, you can see your rate upfront for loans between $1,000 to $50,000. And you can actually receive funds as fast as one business day after accepting your loan. So find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash rotten. That's upstart.com slash rotten. Don't forget to use our URL to let them know that we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit income and certain other information provided on your application. Go to upstart.com slash rotten. A close cousin of theirs said that being rich is the cause of all their problems. Claire and Dora are ill because they can afford to be ill. Yeah. Which I kind of agree with. So while they're waiting for letters, they're just drinking gallons of water because they're on this new thing called water therapy where they drink multiple gallons of water a day. It's just called hydration. <laughs> it's just called life, okay? And they get a letter back from Dr. Hazard and she says, stop immediately what you're doing. Stop shoving those cotton things up your hoo-ha. Don't do it. Get on the fast because it will permanently get rid of all of your problems. But the only way that I can know for sure if you come to Seattle and I do a personal exam on you and that's pretty much what she says and sends them an invoice for $150 and that was that. So they get they get hooked. They like permanently get rid of all of our problems. So they start writing back to her more and they're like, please, please let us come to Seattle. We want to we want to stay in your sanatorium. And that's when she responds and says, look, the hospital isn't finished yet. Right. But, um, you know, I have this office in downtown Seattle and you could you could get a furnished apartment. You know, I, c- I could get one for you probably maybe let's say like $1,700 a month. Now I do charge for my office visits close to $1,700 a month. So I guess total that would be about $5,000. If you need extra help, I charge for extra, you know, consultations. But I guess you could come to Seattle. Does the doctor know that they're super wealthy? Yeah. Ah. Yeah, because you can just tell. So in the 1900s, by the way people write, by their postage, by mm. their, you know, language and the fact that, you know, they told them we're from the UK, we're traveling. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. So she's like, yeah, I mean, I guess you could come. I mean, the sisters get so excited and she says, here's what you do for now. Only drink vegetable broths. Do not eat any bread. Just drink vegetable broths and do daily enemas, which is where you cleanse your butthole and your colon. So it's like forcing you. A lot of people do it at the hospital when you're constipated, you know, and it's still practiced widely today. So they're like, do daily enemas and this is how we're going to do it. So they're like, okay, well, to get to Seattle, we have to first, we're in Vancouver. We were going to go to California to meet our family. And then I guess we could go to Seattle. We were supposed to go back to Austria. It's fine. It's fine. They're like, we're going to make our way around it. So they start traveling and then eventually they get to Seattle and they are paying this doctor like $5,000 a month for this apartment and for these daily consultations. And she claims that once the hospital is done, I'm going to move you guys back in. Like in two months, the hospital is going to be ready. We're going to go into the wilderness together. Meanwhile, stay in downtown Seattle. So they're staying in this apartment and they just kept talking to themselves about, do you do you get this feeling that this doctor really, really likes us for some reason? Do you think that she has a special liking towards us? I mean, that's just what they kept talking about. Like this doctor really freaking likes us. <laughs> so I guess they like she made them feel really special. So Dr. Linda Hazard, like I said, the only licensed fasting fasting specialist in the entire world, self-proclaimed. Her famous quote is overeating is the vice of the whole human race. Now they meet her at our office for the first time and she 
wow she like really wooed them they said that it was insane it was the most intense handshake that they've ever had they considered the doctor a very handsome woman like she doesn't look very feminine is how they talked about her um she doesn't look very like soft she's got these strong features and it made her such a presence got this like glow this aura about her and they were like oh my gosh like anytime she talked to them it was like she was giving a speech to 200 people even if it was just talking to the two sisters a woman with no time for nonsense is how they talked talked about her so they find out that she's born and raised in minnesota she's got an american father and an english mother but she kept mentioning that she takes more on the english side she's not really about the american ways because you know in the early 1900s america was and still is a shit show so no one was like i'm proud she was like yeah no i'm definitely more english than anything so the girls were like oh us too yeah <laughs> and the consultation she starts listing everything yeah i can fix it toothache psoriasis heart problems everything epilepsy all the mental illnesses all of it i can fix it all by fasting and she starts listing out all of her patients she said one time i had this 65 year old woman from kansas came to me she said she had chronic constipation and she had debilitating melancholia which is their word for like depression back in the day and so she had mild suicidal tendencies which like what does that mean mild suicidal tendencies and she was fasting she did a two meal like a two meal plan so every day she would eat two meals and she used to be a huge meat eater and she would say meat eater like it's the most disgusting thing in the world she would later tell the girls that meat eaters are suicidal and despicable and disgusting so she would start by eating these two vegetarian meals a day and then one week later just one meal a day and then slowly no meals a day then for the next 40 days all she did was drink one teacup in the morning of vegetable broth and then one teacup of vegetable broth at night and sometimes if she was really hungry we would give her spoons of orange juice like tablespoon measurements of orange juice not a cup throughout mm -hmm. the day and then 40 days later they died <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that wasn't her ending but i i can imagine it was not good and so all the while she would come in to the office every single day and do these enemas that would take about six hours they would do 25 quarts of warm water into the butt i don't really know how enemas work but i'm imagining it's into the butt so she would just lay there in the bathtub knees to chest that's what they said put your knees up to your chest like in a fetal position and they would just run these enemas and they would have the foulest discharge all the fecal matter all this poison was finally coming out of our system thanks to us she did about 45 days of this absolute fast she got massages every day and by the end of it she was living an amazing life she was running around the house she was doing chores again and remember like i mentioned she was depressed i fixed her depression because she started writing letters to our families she hadn't done that in years she just like wanted to live life again that was all me there was another swedish patient who was depressed with violent tendencies but after after my fast oh man she was running like two miles a day she was just so happy i mean the violence was just wiped out of her the poison of violence came out her butthole she went back to sweden she still writes to me and she seems super rational now that's how she phrased it. She seems super rational now. <laughs> As in like, okay, cool, thanks. And she's like, all right, well, girls, those are the testimonies. We have no time to lose. We must begin the treatment right away. Wait, what? We're not going to have like an exam for our health because that's, that's what doctors do. You get an exam and then you see what's wrong with this. No, not necessary. It's no use to do an exam. 
So they they asked. Yeah. And she's mm. like, nope, not necessary because fasting fixes everything. So why would I need to find out what's wrong with you when I can just fix you by fasting you, by starving you? So they're like, I mean, I guess that makes sense. They said, well, your first massage is today. So they sit down, they strip naked and their massages are really strange. I, it's like a mixture of like, I don't know if they did this back in the day, but like a chiropractor, but not, but like violent, like Ted Bundy is a chiropractor. So she would uh, hammer her fist into their back head and forehead just like nonstop, like essentially punching them uh-huh and she called it their massage and she would have to do this every single day and it was really painful and they whimpered but they kept you know thinking to themselves maybe maybe this is the point maybe it's so painful that it takes takes our mind off of food Wait, the, she's punching their head their forehead the back of their head and their back like on their spine Okay. Yeah, and then later on, she would actually um, knee them like dough. That's what everyone who witnessed it said. Like she would just rub their arms back and forth, like you would a dough, like when you knead dough. Uh. So this is her <laughs> revolutionary massage. Okay. So she says this with fasting and with the daily enemas, you're gonna be cured in 40 days. That poison is just gonna come out of your body, and you are gonna be cured of anything. No symptoms ever again. So the vegetable broth in question, I'm thinking, okay, tons of vegetables, all the nutrients, maybe add a little ginseng in there. No, no, no. You boil tomatoes in water and then drink that water. That's it. That's your food. Later, if you really want to get fancy, she will allow asparagus. You boil asparagus and drink the asparagus water. But that's it. No seasonings. And you can only have two teacups of this broth a day. Yeah, they're like paying $5,000 for this. And they, they have no doubts. They have no this. doubts. And they said, no matter how weak you feel, you have to walk every day. So the girls are like, we have to walk? Yeah, you got to walk the poison out of you. So Monday through Friday, sure enough, they get the enemas, they get the massage, they're walking every day. And in the beginning of their treatment, they said that they were so hungry, but it had this like strange euphoria to it. Just like this, wow, like I kind of feel good. Like maybe it's working. Like, you know, when you go like four hours without eating, you're like, whoa, am I just like a businesswoman? I forgot to eat because I'm so busy working. And then you get like this. Oh, I'm Did so you good. say four hours? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my God. You can't skip meals. It's not good for you. Okay four hours <laughs> and so you know she's like i got this strange euphoria to it but fasting made sense to them in a way they just like felt better so they start writing letters to their families now they did not mention that they were doing this treatment because their family their aunts and uncles they know that they go to all these resorts and they get made fun of by the family members like oh you're doing that fad no juices don't work that's not gonna work so they're like no we're gonna show them with results after this fast we're gonna be the healthiest and we're gonna tell them finally this is how we did it and you should do it too so they just kept mentioning we're in great health don't worry about us we're we're traveling all over the west coast right now and we're feeling great so a weekend neither sister had ever fainted before but suddenly they just start fainting all over the apartment Wait, it would how, become how long one week of oh. just vegetable broths all day uh -huh. So they would just start fainting. I mean, Dora would be laying in bed and she would hear her baby sister faint in the living room, but she felt so dizzy that she couldn't go help. So they were just in and out of consciousness. At this point, you know, the doctor started sending nurses to take care of them like full time because they just couldn't take care of themselves. They were literally fainting like in the hallways, like fainting outside, just fainting nonstop. It was uh -huh. intense. And they said that the enemas became the worst part because it would take hours, hours, just painful hours of putting liquid in their butt and they would faint during the enemas 
And they never doubted the doctor. They just started doubting themselves. They said, maybe, maybe we just have a really crazy illness. Maybe we have an illness that we didn't even think about or know about. But we got to put trust in the system. So they keep going. Now, their neighbors are hearing all of this. Their neighbors are seeing them. And they're like, who are these British women that are here? And suddenly they're like fainting all over the hallways. What's going on? They're right next door neighbor named Mary. She was constantly hearing them through the thin walls. So when they first moved in, there was a lot of chit chat, a lot of happy noises. And then essentially there was multiple voices. So it seems like they had visitors. They had friends in the area. And then eventually it was just quiet, except at night she would hear soft moaning, like groaning groaning like whimpers like people that are in agony right i mean it was very obvious then she would see the sisters in the hallways exercising with the nurses and they were just dropping so much weight they had these massive eye bags they looked weathered they looked old they couldn't even walk down the hallway by themselves so another neighbor by the name of clara she was so worried about this that she decided to pop over the apartment one day like what's happening with these women maybe i can do something maybe i can talk some sense into them that was kind of her vibe and dr linda was there with all the nurses and she just sees dr linda beating on these women while they're groaning so she straight up says i mean that seems like a severe treatment oh no on the contrary it does her good it promotes great circulation okay so she's just standing there like well dora do you want me to like do something for you and while she's talking you know to dora she hears the doctor talking to the nurse about a patient that had recently died and she kind of insinuates that they need a bigger kettle because she wants to dismember the deceased person like do an autopsy and it was just really strange that she's casually talking about this with her other patients so one day she asked claire doesn't the treatment hurt and claire told her neighbor clara no no it's the most beautiful treatment so odd so they really really believed in it and people say that dr linda was just one of those people like that you know it's kind of like a cult leader -leader, type vibe right now mary wasn't really allowed near the girls the right next door neighbor like when the nurse was there and the girls tried to talk to mary which they did on multiple occasions the nurse would just like rush them away and she's like why like why me like it seems like the nurses are close with the rest of the neighbors but why do they hate me and then she's like wait i think i know why because one of her closest friends by the name of mr harry harrison had gone to dr linda and he had died so Linda performs an autopsy on him and she's like, well, he died because he had all these illnesses. You know, look at his liver. It was so bad. And they're like, no, no, no. His family's like, we need to do an autopsy. So they bring him into like their own autopsy specialist and they find out that the cause of death was starvation, lack of nourishment. But the police couldn't do anything. Because they're like, well, he's a full grown man. And Linda's like, well, I didn't deprive him of food. So this neighbor is secretly investigating, you think? Yeah, so the neighbor's just kind of concerned. But also, in the early 1900s, there was this strong vibe of, it's not my business. Now, Dr. Hazard, at this point, when the girls start getting a little bit more delusional, she starts sinking her little greedy claws in. She starts getting sketchy. She starts targeting Claire and saying, hey, um, I know. So Claire was the one that was more devoted to her, that one, the one that was more technically trusting by the two sisters. And mm-hmm. she started telling her, you know, you, it must be so hard for you to handle your affairs in a strange city in this strange country. You must never talk about business with your sister Dora, right? It, it wouldn't be good for you right now in your, in your situation. Don't talk about business. It'll stress you out. Just keep it to yourself. And if you need to write letters, you're too weak. I can have my attorney come in and take the dictation to write your letters to your bank, 
you know, to your family, whoever you need it to. I can also store your valuables in my safe, you know. And when the girls heard this, they didn't think anything of it. They didn't think it was strange. And they said no, not because they didn't trust her, but because, I mean, they're home the whole time. Like, they didn't feel like there was a safety threat at this apartment building that they're staying in. So they said, no, 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 it's totally fine. But eventually, Dr. Linda would ask so many times that they were like, okay, like, I guess if it makes you happy. So they handed over all their land deeds. They handed over all of their expensive jewelry. And right before Dr. Linda left, she said, well, what about the ones you're wearing? And they pulled off the diamond rings that they were wearing. A lot of them were heirlooms. They had about $150,000 worth of jewelry. And they gave it to her and she says, well, I'll keep it safe for you in the safe. And she leaves. Then she would keep asking the sick girls, is there anyone who controls you guys? You know, is there like a man that has authority over you? No, that's that's strange and different. Oh, now the nurse at this point starts secretly going to the neighbor because she starts panicking. She's like, this is strange. I did an enema on Claire and look at what's inside the bucket. Like imagine running down the hallway with this bucket. And she's like, this came out of Claire's butthole. And the, the neighbor looks and it's like got these like white milky particles all up in it. And she's like, what? That's weird. Has she eaten anything? No, just like clear broth. So I don't know why this would be in her system. And I mean, it's been like 30 days that she's eaten something. Well, what do you think it is? So they kept thinking to themselves, it seems strange, but it feels like the girl's body is like eating itself. That's all they could think about. So, this so nurse, the nurse is freaking out. Yeah. Okay. So the nurse eventually goes to another doctor behind Dr. Linda's back, which is like the worst thing you can do technically in this, you know, whole, I guess, work structure. And she's telling him Claire is feeling super sick. She's fainting. It's been 30 days without food. Dora has gone 40 days without food and she's becoming like delusional. She's rambling. She's confused all the time about where she is. And I don't know what to do. So the doctor's like, well, I know what to do. Fucking feed them, you idiot. And so she's like, well, I can. I tried. I tried to give them some milk, some raisins. They won't have any of it unless Dr. Linda tells them. It's like they're absolutely under her control. I don't know what to do. And he's like, well, I don't believe in this method. You got to do something because these girls are going to die. So this goes on for like two months. And then eventually the sisters were so weak that they had to be transported to Dr. Linda's personal house in Olala in the cabins. So they're still trying to work on building this hospital, but they didn't even have the foundation down at this point. So I don't know why she was acting like it's going to be up in like two months. But they had these cabins next to her house mm -hmm. that they were going to put these girls in. But at this time, they wanted them in the house and they wanted them separated isn't that weird so she packs all of their belongings and all of the neighbors watch them get loaded into like this ambulance and on the ambulance drive there casually happens to be an attorney in the same ambulance as claire and says listen claire i know you're like dying but i need you to sign these papers because this means that you are okay with going into the hazard house you know the hazardous house <laughs> and she's like okay and she signs it when in reality it was a will so she signs this will granting the hazard couple because linda has a husband and kids but um granting the hazard couple and the hazard institute of health 25 pounds of sterling silver every single year from her estate it's like the weirdest thing and she also grants all of her diamonds and jewelry to dr hazard she bequeaths them to dr hazard huh 
She also said if anything happens to her, she wants the doctor to take over her body, you know, do all the funeral arrangements, cremate me, all of that. Now, what's strange is Claire never really wanted to be cremated at all. She wanted to be buried. So this this is going to be strange later. And she's barely able to sign it, but she does. So the ambulance staff, they let they help, you know, the two sisters into the doctor's house. And they estimated that these 30 year old women weighed less than probably 60, 70 pounds each. It was bad so they're placed into these two separate rooms in the attic and it was you know close to two months since they'd eaten and they're just laying in bed all day a lot of people who saw them said it's like watching two damp loaves of bread just laying in bed they couldn't move they couldn't do anything they weren't even like human at this point and it was nothing like they imagined like it's beautiful but the hospital's not there it's just like a bunch of cabins and they're living in the doctor's attic like this is not what they were expecting so from the minute that they got there the doctors told them you can't see your sister you guys have to be separated so they told dora claire is really sick claire's so sick that if she gets excited or if she talks too much you know it's not gonna be good so we can't have you going over there and like stimulating her emotions and then they tell claire that dora has completely lost her mind she's like fucking crazy now you can't see her because you're gonna mess with her you know insanity right now she's like going insane the only time that they would briefly see each other was during mealtime. But Claire begged for her sister to not be there at mealtime because not because she was, you know, going insane, but because she didn't want her sister to see the way she was eating. And Dora was really confused about this, you know, the door Dora was really confused. Like, what do you, what do you mean? I, why? Why can't I see her eat? That's strange. We eat together all the time. We shared literally every meal of our lives together. And she thought about that one time. That the nurse was like, all right, well, soup is ready. And she heard Claire squeal like a hungry animal. And she was like, oh, my God, like my sister's probably so hungry. She's eating like very, um, you know, improper. She's probably like licking her teacup to get every little sip of this juice. That's weird. So eventually together they decide enough is enough and they, you know, sneak into each other's rooms and they write a long list of what they wanted from the store. They bring it to Dr. Hazard and they say, it's been like 60 days, bro. We're done with this fast. Here's a list of all vegetarian, all healthy things that we want you to get from the store. Obviously, we're going to pay for it. We can pay for the service of getting it delivered. We need to eat. And she said, no, 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 no. You will have none of this. It's almost done. My girls, I can see it so clearly in your eyes. You're almost clean. And so she convinced them, just wait a little longer and you'll be done. Now, what's very odd is she would sit down with them at mealtime now and she would constantly say things like, oh my God, isn't it so divine? The tomato broth, isn't it divine? It's fresh. It's straight from the vine. Wow, that rhymes, right? But um, the tomatoes weren't even fresh. They were canned. So she made it seem like she's giving them like the highest nutrition, like the best experience, like charging a crazy arm and a leg because it's like Whole Foods. But it was just like canned tomatoes. Mm -hmm. And the girls saw them make the soup with canned tomatoes. So they were just confused. There was just a lot going on. Now, who the fork is this Dr. Linda persona? Because she sounds like a nut job. Well, Linda was the eldest of eight kids. And she was always super intelligent, very studious. She gets married when she's 18, has two kids, immediately gets a divorce and just like drops her kids off with her parents. She's like, bye, I'm going to get a career now. And she straight up told people why men have careers with kids. I can abandon my kids for a career that's fine and she starts reading books about fasting about diets about health and she realized 
that overeating was the cause of every illness and the only way to cure it was fasting. So she does not go through any formal medical training. She sets up as an alternative medicine solution and multiple of her parents patients just died. They just start popping dead. And at the same time, the families were confused because jewelry would be missing from their patients. Sometimes the land deed would suddenly be in Linda's name. And she would say, well, it's because they loved me so much as their doctor that they bequeathed me their land. If they were autopsied by someone other than Linda, it would show that they died of starvation. But if Linda did the autopsy, she would say, no, no, no. They died because their liver was disgusting. They died because their heart failed. Just very different. She would constantly argue like I never deprived them of food. They came to me super sick. They were already at their last straw. Other doctors turned them away. I tried to help, but they they couldn't eat anything. They didn't want to. They didn't have an appetite. And technically, because she wasn't a doctor, she couldn't even be sued for malpractice. She was just like a consultant. Oh, shit. Sometimes I get so nervous before doing something that I don't even end up doing it at all. And what I find helps me is talking to someone about it. That has been like a real game changer. And that is what I've been using BetterHelp for. It will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist that you can actually start communicating with in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online, which is super cool. So they have a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in a lot of areas. And the service is available for clients worldwide. So you're like, well, how does it work? So you log into your account at any time, anywhere, and you can send a message to your counselor and you get a timely and thoughtful response. Plus, if you want, you can also schedule weekly video and phone sessions, which I find to be like the highlight of my week sometimes, which sounds lame, but it's not. So you won't ever have to sit in your uncomfortable waiting room that you have to do with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's actually more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. So make sure to visit betterhelp.com slash rotten. That's betterhelp.com slash rotten and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and Rotten Mango listeners can get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash rotten. Yeah, so then her husband, Samuel Hazard, he is a business manager, gifted musician, teacher, military man in the past, annoying ass bits in the present, just like the worst. He was married when he met Linda and he decides that he's going to gaslight his wife out of his marriage. So instead of getting like a proper divorce, he's like, OK, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to marry Linda and then I'm just going to go up to my wife one day and be like, hey, did you know we're not married? And the wife was like, yes, we were. We literally had a ceremony in in the courthouse. Like we didn't have a whole, whole wedding because we were trying to save money, but we were married. And he's like, no, you're not my wife. And she's like, are you kidding me? Like, I'm your wife. So she goes to the court and the court, I guess he had bribed the court system. And they're like, yeah, no, I can't find the papers anywhere. They'd been living together. And she's like, what? What? Like, what do you what do you mean? I'm not your wife. So she decides, OK, I'm not doing this. Her dad was actually an Iowa senator. So the whole family was like, we're taking his ass to court. So they take him to court. He was charged with bigamy, which means that you get married while you're married, which was illegal. I don't know if it still is. Huh. And he went to prison for two years. Nice. So when he gets out, he's still with Linda. <laughs> you said, nice. <laughs> 
so when he gets out he's still with linda and they decide well let's start traveling to washington we're going to start our own hospital we're going to treat these patients now there is a legal loophole in washington which means that linda is able to get a license and be called a doctor to practice alternative medicine so in minnesota where she was practicing and consulting you couldn't get a license as a doctor unless you went through formal training but Mm -hmm. washington you could so this attracted a ton of patients i mean she started putting international ads everywhere canada you know sweden switzerland places with like shit ton of rich people she was like look at my fasting treatment and people just started coming to her and starving to death she would take over guardianship once they got two weeks they would sign over like hey yeah you're my guardian because i am too sick to control myself like to make good decisions for myself they couldn't run because they couldn't eat she would usually have them in this secluded isolated cabin in olala and they wouldn't have access to writing utensils they wouldn't have access to a phone or anything well did they even have phones back in the day? But like they couldn't even write their family. Mm-hmm. So they would just, they weren't allowed to eat. They would just rot there and then they would die. This is after the sisters or before the sister? Before. So before the sisters, there was probably about 12 murders that Whoa. took place. Yeah. And then most of them would be rich because she charged a pretty penny. So these people that came, I mean, they brought most of their belongings because that's what you do back in the day, you know, especially when you don't know how long you're going to be there. And she knew they had money. Mm -hmm. So she would like brainwash them. And these were all rich people trying to find a purpose, like trying to find health and happiness. And she had a ton of admirers. Even people whose significant other died from starvation were like, no, yeah, for for the time being, he was fixed for sure. I love Dr. Hazard. What? So meanwhile in Austria, um, Australia, sorry, Margaret, the girl's nanny, since they were like one years old, right? The lifelong nanny of the family. She gets like a telegram randomly. And it was like, hey, come to Seattle. Claire. And I was like, what? Like, this is out of nowhere. I mean, I know that they were supposed to be traveling. I thought they were in Canada. They never, they never mentioned Seattle. Why would they be in Seattle? So she grabs all of her things. She rushes. Yeah. Are the girls finally realizing? So it seems nobody to this day knows how Claire got that telegram out. Um, A lot of people imagine that somehow she snuck out and found a local and begged them and gave them money to like ship out this telegram because the doctors would never have. Right. So she gets there's address and everything yeah okay so she's like oh my gosh this is insane what's happening she grabs all of her stuff and she's like oh god did something happen to someone or like i this is so short she never even said anything about dora what's what's happening she gets there she gets to seattle now at this point i think claire had told the doctors that the um their nanny is coming you know margaret's coming so dr hazard hazard's husband sam Mm -hmm. picks up the nanny and just casually mentions to her like oh yeah let me take your bag by the way claire's dead She's like, what? What? I, th- I mean, I literally got this telegram like two weeks ago. I got on the fastest, you know, transportation here because it takes two weeks. Yeah. And um, what? And he's like, yeah. And he just goes back to reading the newspaper. So she's like bawling her eyes out. And what, what about Dora? She's fine. Anyways, you can talk to my wife about it. So he brings her into Dr. Linda's little office and she's sitting there waiting and she's freaking out like this doesn't make sense. Claire's only like 30 years old, like 33 years old, healthy, in great condition. I mean, she had some little small sicknesses, but even Margaret was like, she wasn't really sick. Come on. Right. And so she's like, this, this doesn't make sense. And Dr. Hazard comes in, sits down and says, well, Claire is dead. But doctor, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, well, 
She came and told me that she's either going to be cured or she's going to die. There was just no hope for either of them. What? Yeah, I did her autopsy and uh, her liver was so hard. I couldn't even puncture it with a knife. Her intestines were so small, so infantile. Do you want to see her? So Margaret's like, yeah, I want to see her. Good, because I have her embalmed. So they go into the little morgue section, which I don't even think it was a section, right? And they see Claire and it was a complete stranger. It wasn't even Claire. So she's like, that's not Claire. And she's like, yeah, it is. The disease changed her. No, that's, that's not, that's, I literally grew up. I raised Claire. <laughs> yeah, well, it is. It might be the grief. You're probably in shock. Maybe you've never seen someone embalmed. So in Australia at the time, they never embalmed anyone. They just like put them into the coffins fresh. So th- she was like, it's the embalming process. I guess it changes the, the physical appearance. That's scary because that's another dead person, basically. Yes, which we'll get into. And so she's like, yeah, no, that's Claire. She's like, okay, I don't, I don't know what this doctor is saying. Let me see Dora because I, I need to talk to Dora. So she's like, all right, well, she's staying in a cabin. So let's go. So they go to the cabin. Now, Dora has been moved from the doctor's house to a nearby cabin. And it looked more like a chicken coop. That's what she said. It's not a home for a person. Definitely not a sick person. It uh-huh. just seemed like, like just really, really shitty. And she's like, this doesn't make any sense. And she opens the door and she sees Dora. And Dora looked so bad. It was almost like um, if you buy one of the, this is how they describe it, like a skeleton, like a skull. And then you get a wet white sheet and just kind of put it on top and then pull it back oh. like very. um, You can see every bone. The eyes are sunken in, but the eyeball is bulging out. Her lips were so thin. They were barely there. Her cheeks were hollow. Her stomach was concaved. Like, it was bad. And so she's like, Dora, like, what is going on? Let, let me see you. And Dora just started yelling at her. Don't touch me. You'll be horrified. I'm getting better, okay? So there's no point in you looking at me and getting upset because I'm getting better and I'm getting stronger every day. So she's like, this is not okay, Dora. No. Uh-huh. So she starts staying there. She starts mailing out letters to their uncle. So Dora and Claire's uncle who lives in Portland, Oregon, which is really close by. So she's like, you need to come. Like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. Like, I need help. So he gets on a train, goes there and he sees Claire and he's confused because he's like, that's not Claire. The doctor's like, well, yeah, it is. It's like, that's not Claire. No, no, no it is. I, I get it. You're like really sad. <laughs> Grief, you know, shock does things to people. Yeah, that's your niece what okay well let me see dora no you can't she's mentally insane why is dora mentally insane menopause she straight up says menopause that's why she's mentally insane so he's like well i mean i guess menopause do be hidden (laughs) menopause do be insane (laughs) yeah he's like i don't know nothing about that you're right maybe makes sense and um well maybe i can take dora you know it'll, it'll be fine i can keep her in portland oregon my wife and i can take care of her so this is dora's mom's brother so they have a really close connection you know uh-huh. he's like yeah I, i'll take her no you can't because i'm her guardian and claire's last dying wish was that i take care of dora so he's like what So he meets up with Margaret and they start plotting to get Dora out of there. Now, especially once Dora starts telling them the craziest stories. They said that Dora said that the day Claire died, they just told her, hey, by the way, like your sister's dead. Meanwhile, in front of her, they start opening up all of Claire's massive trunks. So they they carried about like 20 trunks, like massive trunks of just clothes from Paris. I mean, you're talking about millionaire sisters, just Mm -hmm. the best linens, the best blankets. Claire was known to travel with the best thread count 
blankets because she didn't like using hotel blankets. And she was just like giddy, laughing. The doctor's like laughing, trying on all these new dresses and these fur right coats. in front of her? In front of Dora. So they probably felt like Dora's going to die too. Yeah. And so then Dora was crying and then she tried to open a window to get fresh air. And the doctor said, are you going to commit suicide? She's like, what? No, I'm just trying to get fresh air. Oh, because a lot of patients commit suicide, especially because your sister died. I can see if you were so sad that you would maybe want to commit suicide. Oh, my God. And Dora was like, that is inappropriate. Like, don't, don't. I think that's really inappropriate of you to say something like that right now. And she's like, yeah, no, I get it. But tell me if you're going to commit suicide, okay? She just thought it was so weird, which it is, you know. And so she starts telling her uncle and Margaret all of these things, like what's what's happening, you know. She took all of our jewelry, about like $150,000 worth. They keep coming in here asking me to sign like random ass papers. I don't know what's going on. And she even wears Claire's nightgown every night. So help. So this sister is catching up, right? Yeah. And she just was so weak that they could not run away with her immediately. Like they could not just like put her on their back because this was you had to take a boat to get Olala to get to Olala from Seattle. Um, I, I don't know how it works, but they had to take a boat. That was their only way to get there. And she was so weak. She couldn't even chew peas. She would just like roll them around and they wouldn't burst. She would only eat tomato broth and mashed tomatoes on some days. So slowly, Margaret, the plan was the uncle would go back to Portland and make arrangements and Margaret would would start slowly putting some rice and flour into the broth, you know, to make Dora stronger. And she eventually started getting stronger. She would go to the store and she started asking around town. And all of the locals were like, yeah, technically it's called Wilderness Heights. Like the trail is called Wilderness Heights, but the locals, we call it Starvation Heights. Sometimes we'd get patients that would come into the store like begging for food. And uh, we would just give them free food because we felt bad about it. A lot of the kids were terrified of Dr. Hazard. They would say that um, the parents would actually tell the kids, if you're bad, the doctor's going to snatch you away in your sleep and starve you. <laughs> really good parenting. Holy cow. So she's a whole ass urban legend yeah. at this point. And she just like walks around town with fur coats. And the police are like, that's cool. That's cool. So finally, Dora is strong enough and the uncle came back for her for their big escape. They packed all of their bags, they're ready to go. And all of a sudden, Linda comes yelling. She's like, where do you think you're going? You're not going anywhere. I am the like I am the what do you call it? Legal guardian. I'm the legal guardian. That is the law of the USA. And it's on my side. And I am the guardian. Let's see what happens when you defy our country's sacred laws. That's what she told them. Oh, my God. Yeah. And so, you know, Margaret, she was scared. She was like, shit, what do we do? But the uncle was like, yeah, no, fuck you. I'm American, too. So, um, no. And he was like, I'm taking her. And he, she's like, well, you can't because I will call the police. Like, uh -huh. I'm going to get the authorities on you because here's the thing, you know, um, you guys owe me money like for this entire treatment. It's a lot of money. I'm a, I'm a crazy doctor. I'm a good one. People love me. Yeah, I need about fifty six thousand dollars. They're like, what? No, that doesn't make sense. First of all, you're not even giving us back any of the jewelry. That's like one hundred fifty thousand dollars. We're literally just trying to leave because fuck you. And like we need to save our niece and she's about to die. And we would rather her live than, you know, fight for one hundred fifty thousand dollars worth of jewels. But like what is happening? You already took so much money from them. Why do you need an extra fifty six thousand dollars? So finally, after some negotiating, I think they paid like half of it and they left. 
and they left most of their stuff、mm-hmm. and all of their jewelry, paid extra, and on their boat out, the uncle and the Margaret, they were finally talking, you know, in private, and they kept saying, "You know, that wasn't Claire, right?" Yeah, but then who was she? So they take Dora to the hospital and they check into a hotel. She was sixty pounds. She could not keep any food down. So what happens is, you can't eat. A lot of her patients actually died from eating after the fast.、Mm. So they would, you know, fast for like I wouldn't even call it fasting. You know, they would starve for sixty days and then they would eat and then they would eat so much and they would have so many intestinal problems. It was just really, really bad. So they start getting in contact with. I don't know if it was like the British embassy. I don't think it was the British embassy. I don't even think they had an embassy because I think this was only like a hundred and fifty years after America stopped being a colony. Don't quote me on that. Am I a history major? What the heck? <laughs> Where did that number come from, Stephanie? <laughs> so I don't know. But they start contacting all of these people, and they're like, "We need to do something. You guys need to arrest this woman." And a lot of these, like, um, so they contacted a law office, and they had a ton of sympathy for Dora. I mean, to be fair, the two investigators that took this case, they really loved the spotlight, and they knew that this was going to get them crazy spotlight. Because think about it, an English heiress. Murdered by an American fasting doctor. Ooh, this is gonna be good. So they take on the case and they immediately start investigating while Dora recovers. And they find out that before Claire Williamson, there was at least thirteen people who had died under the care of Dr. Linda. So later, the total will actually be nineteen, because she she kills people after Claire. So there was this huge money debate. The county did not want to do this. The county was like, "I don't want to go to court with this. We don't want. We don't have the money. This is just too intense. We don't really care. She's not even an American citizen." So they start fighting, and eventually, it was settled that Dora would bankroll the entire trial for the prosecution.、Damn. And she was like, "That's fine. Let's do this." There was actually talks about getting the crown, like getting England to pay for it, but、uh, that would be super intense. There was actually so much political tension during all of this because they were like, "Wow, we care." So much about this English person, like I thought we were free from you guys, type vibes because the timing of everything.、Mm. So there was like you know there was just a lot, and they had this massive trial. It was a shit show, like a full shit show. And the defense, Doctor Linda, kept saying that Claire was just sick. I mean, she knew she was gonna die. I gave her food, but she didn't want it. And you know what this is? This is a witch hunt. From all these male doctors who are incapable of seeing a female succeed in their profession, so they're trying to、She's、take me down. She's doing all sorts of cards. She's like,、huh? let me do this, let me do that. She was. They're threatened by me. They want to take away my license because I'm a woman. And all the women were like, "No, it's because you're a murderer." What? So a bunch of doctors testify, and they argued scientifically that this isn't the case. You know, a lot of、um, a lot of Claire's doctors from London were not flown in, but brought in, bankrolled by the Williamson Fund. This is crazy. So Dora testified, and the jury fell in love with her. I mean, she was like this beautiful woman. She was looking a lot healthier at this point. She had this beautiful accent. That's what everyone said, and they just kept talking about it. And there was proof that Linda benefited financially from their deaths. So eventually, she was found guilty of manslaughter and sentenced to two to twenty years of hard labor in a women's prison. But the question remained: Where is Claire's body? Because that wasn't Claire, according to the family.、Mm-hmm. Now everyone called her the next Belle Gunness. 
Do you guys know Belle Gunnis? Okay, so there's this really good book on it. I love a story inside of a story, so I can't help myself. So there is a woman named Belle Gunnis who had just gotten, I wouldn't say caught, kind of caught like three years prior to all of this going down in Indiana. So this was like the biggest case in the world. Some people consider her one of America's worst female serial killers. That's like a title. So there's this book called Hell's Princess, The Mystery of Belle Gunnis, Butcher of Men. And it's really good. It's a deep dive. So side note, I'm going to go into Belle's story. Okay. Belle was born in Norway, right? And she had this dad who was this traveling magician. And ever since she was young, she would like travel with him and start performing all these like tricks on a tightrope. And they were from this really tight knit Norwegian family. They retired super quickly. And Belle was like, I don't really like this life. You know, I don't really like being in Norway. My parents are so frugal, like they're retired, but they won't let me like buy anything that I want. I'm going to go to America and I'm going to get rich. So she moves to Illinois and she meets this Swedish man. They get married and they start opening up their own candy shop, right? Now for the first year, the candies are coming in. It's like a Dean Coral moment. They're successful. They're making a lot of money. And then eventually they start losing money in this candy shop. And they're like, well, that's a bummer. What do we do now? And then around that time that Belle is like, well, what do I do? The candy store just like gets lit ablaze, just like falls to the ground in flames And the investigators come out and they're like, well, this was insured. So we need to investigate because there was nothing inside of this candy factory that would cause for this fire to be so massive. But they could not find any proof that it was arson. So they paid them out the entire insurance money. And Belle loved the taste of insurance money. Okay, so her husband had these two life insurance policies. So the first one, it would end. Let's say it ends on Sunday. And Mm -hmm. then he had another one that would roll, (laughs) right? But that Uh one would start Friday. So there was only about like two day period where both of the insurance policies were active. The old one and the new one. (laughs) And of course, guess who plops dead on one of those days? The husband should have saw that coming. Yeah, like, come on, dude. Those are like the most dangerous two days of your life. You got to get out of there. You got to go on a business trip. And so, yeah, he plops dead. And she just, he just just casually dies. And she's like, well, he had a cerebral hemorrhage. Can you imagine, like, if you die and I just tell the police, well, he had a cerebral hemorrhage. <laughs> like, you're so guilty. Well, she said that she, he came home with a headache and he, she gave him this powder to make him feel better, to get rid of the pain. And then she did some errands, checked up on him. Oh, my God, he was dead. So the authorities, they ruled it a heart failure and she got paid out close to two hundred thousand dollars in today's in today's money. So she gets the fork out of town because his family is starting to get suspicious of her. And she uses this insurance money to buy this massive farm on the outskirts of Indiana. And that's where she meets Peter, her second husband, who's also a Norwegian born immigrant. And this was perfect. They get married. Now their happy marriage doesn't last long because Peter had an infant from a previous marriage. And he was like, well, you're my new wife, Belle. So do you mind taking care of my baby while I go to work? So she's like, of course, I love children. Child ends up dead. She's like, I don't know what it was. Probably Cot's, Cot's death or whatever, you know, sudden infant death syndrome. Oh, well. And they move this on. This is just like the other serial killer. Yeah. The woman. Yeah, and then they move on with their life. And then Peter uses all of his money to open up a little meat market for them. And they start working in there. And then one day, Peter is reaching for his slipper. And there was a sausage grinder on a shelf, on a really high shelf, and just mm-hmm. fell out of nowhere, and it 
bonked his head. It crushed his skull. It crushed his head. It brutally killed him. And of course, the police, they're questioning Belle, but they have no proof like that she's evil. They have no proof why she would want to kill him. And they ruled it an accident. And a lot of people say she's kind of like Linda. That's why people kept making this comparison. Like she was so confident and determined of a woman who's like, I don't need no man type of woman. But you just like can't even question what she's saying because, you know, when people say things so yeah, this guy's red. You're like, yeah, it's red. And then you're like, no, it's not. Wait a minute. Hold on. Like, can we backtrack right there? Because I feel like you try to like, why did you tell me it's red? Mm-hmm. She's like one of those people. So she gets another $80,000 for his death. And then she starts sleeping with like the farmhand, the employee. She starts sleeping with him. This is really important. And we know this because anytime he would get drunk, he would go brag about it in the streets. He'd be like, guess what? I'm sleeping with my boss. And people were like, that's not really that cool because she's not even that like pretty. She like butchers her own pigs. Just wait till Wednesday's episode, okay? She like butchers her own pigs. That's what they kept saying about Belle. And she has these four children. And then one day, one of these children just disappears. 15-year-old Jenny just like vanishes. Neighbors are confused. They're like, we should call the cops because that's weird. So the police, they come and question her. And she's like, well, she's in California. Just like getting a better education in California. So again, they don't do anything about it. This is really important. And then she decides, you know what? I'm kind of lonely. I'm going to put out these ads. So she puts out a personal ad on the papers, which sounds crazy, but I'm thinking that's what Tinder is. It's just like an ad. So -hmm. she writes, I'm a widow that owns a large farm in one of the finest districts of La Porte County, Indiana. I desire to make acquaintance of a gentleman with a view to join fortunes. No replies by letter will be considered unless sender is willing to answer with a personal visit. Triflers need not apply what is it triflers need not apply someone who behaves um lightly or not seriously a do nothing Mm. a bum so a bunch of these suitors come in typically middle-aged men widowers first was john moe who bought thirty thousand dollars in cash with him into indiana he was like i'm gonna woo this woman i'm gonna pay off her mortgage which is like honestly really romantic. So he's like, I'm going to pay her mortgage. So he shows up, he vanishes. And then we've got George from Missouri. He shows up. He's an immigrant from Norway. And Wait, d- he vanished, meaning he, he's gone after the visit? Yeah, just gone. No one saw him ever since. Oh my God. So you know that feeling where you're like having a really good day and suddenly you think to yourself, well, maybe my significant other and I will just cook up a nice little dinner, share it with a glass of wine, a home-cooked meal, a warm, delicious home-cooked meal. But then you realize, wait a minute, I got to look up a recipe. I got to drive to the grocery store. I got to park, get my groceries, get back into the car, then cook. That's going to take me like another hour and I'm hungry in like the next 20, 30 minutes. Well, fret no more because I'm about to introduce you to HelloFresh, which is America's number one meal kit. So with HelloFresh, you get fresh pre-measured ingredients and mouthwatering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. You get to skip those grocery store lines. You get to skip all of that recipe writing and printing, and you can just make these delicious home cooked meals that's also affordable. We can actually enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in about 30 minutes or less. They also have meals if you're super busy that you can get on the table in 20 minutes or less with lightning prep recipes they've got quick breakfasts they've got lunches perfect for any busy schedule they have over 25 different recipes to choose from every single week and my favorite my all-time favorite is this mozzarella crusted chicken that comes with these potato wedges and these perfectly cooked tomatoes if your mouth is not watering right now 
Oh, it's so good. And the best part about all of this is that their fresh ingredients are sourced directly from the growers and delivered from the farm to your front door in under a week, contact free, of course. Or if you have specific wants and needs, don't worry because they have delicious, low calorie, carb smart and vegetarian options available every single week. And you're thinking to yourself, Stephanie, this sounds like a luxury service. Well, I'm here to tell you that HelloFresh is actually 28% cheaper than shopping at your local grocery store and 72% cheaper than a restaurant meal without sacrificing that delicious quality. So go to HelloFresh.com slash Rotten12 and use that code Rotten12 for 12 free meals, including free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash Rotten12 and use that code for 12 free meals, including free shipping. So then we got, you know, George Anderson, who comes from Missouri. And during dinner, she kept asking, well, are you going to pay my mortgage? Which is like really romantic dinner talk. And he was like, yeah, I'll pay it if we get married. So that night he goes to bed in the guest room. And in the middle of the night, he opens his eyes because he feels a presence. And she's just standing there with a candle in her hand because this is like the 1900s. There's no electricity yet. Well, she didn't have electricity. I don't know if there was electricity. Okay, I'm making these bold ass statements. I'm like, no fucking electricity, okay? <laughs> so she didn't have electricity. She's got this candle in her hand and she's got this like sinister look in his face. So he's like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And she just makes eye contact and leaves the room calmly. So without even packing his stuff, he just flees the house, takes a train straight back to Missouri and just like leaves. Then more suitors come. There was an old B. Budsberg, a widower from Wisconsin, and he was last seen at the Laporte Bank getting several thousands of dollars worth of cash. Never seen again. Andrew he started writing to her and they started talking about life and she was like like a sweet talker. These were some of her letters. No woman in the world is happier than I am. I know that you are now to come to me and be my own. I can tell from your letters that you are the man that I want. What? So he brought out a check from his savings account, about $80,000 in today's money. And he brought it, started visiting her. He disappeared. And about $80,000 was cashed in into Belle's account. So he disappears. Now, around this time, the farmhand that she was having an affair with, he starts getting jealous. Like, what's going on, Belle? I thought I thought this was I thought I was going to have a sugar mama. I thought this was going to be the whole setup. Like, why are you dating all these other people? I thought we were the real deal. So she fires him. She's like, you are out of line. Get get the heck out of my farm. And Andrew's brother starts reaching out to her. And she's like, well, where's my brother? I know that he was at your farm. Where is my brother? And she's like, well, I can help you look for him if you come on over to my farm. So then around this time, I think a lot of the stuff was closing in on her. You know, Andrew's brother kept hounding her. A lot of these family members kept hounding her. So she goes to an attorney and she tells them, I'm scared for my life. I'm scared for my children. My old employee is threatening to kill me. And not long after that, her entire farm was set ablaze. So the police come and the lawyer was there telling them, oh, my God, she came to me earlier talking about how her employee was going to kill her. All of this. This is insane. So they start treating it like arson and murder and they find the remains of the three children and they find what they think is Belle's remains. But it's a corpse of a woman who has been burned in the flames. But it's super strange. This woman is wearing Belle's clothes. So it must be Belle, right? Mm -hmm. But she was headless. So they can't confirm, you know, they didn't have like DNA, they didn't have fingerprinting like that. So they're like, and she was burnt. But it must be Belle, right? But she's significantly smaller than Belle. 
I mean, just something felt strange. So they start talking to the old employee, Ray, and he was linked to the murder. But he had this wild card up his sleeve. He was like, no, 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 I didn't kill her. She's the one killing people. There are bodies in her backyard. So they go digging in this farm lady's backyard and they they dig up five bodies in the backyard, mutilated and butchered. One of them was the 15 year old foster child, Jenny. Then we have Andrew and another man. And then we have like two eight-year-old girls. Then they find four more bodies. There was just like bags of just limbs and amputated parts of the body and hands and arms and torsos. There was like decapitated heads with lime Jeez. shoved in the ears. It was just a lot. So the remains are all over the property. And the dentist came and they're trying to verify, is this Belle? Because if it's not Belle, the person that died in the fire, we need to find Belle. Because she's like, she's a serial killer. Mm-hmm. So he says, well... I mean, there's like some teeth laying here and these do look like her fake teeth because I had done some dental work on her. There's only like one dentist in this area. So he's like, yeah, this this has to be Belle. So later, Ray confesses to digging the graves, but that's it. He says, I never helped her murder anyone. I only dug the graves. So he confesses to that and um, he's in prison for murder. Now he gets really sick. So he's about to die. So then suddenly his story starts changing. He says, well, I did drug her and the woman that I was with set the house on fire. And then later, it changes again. And this time, he tells it to a priest. He says, I never murdered anyone. I only helped her bury the victims. This is how it would happen. I know what was going on. The victim would arrive. She would make them comfortable. They would eat dinner. She would charm them, really. And then she would drug his coffee and wait for him to pass out. Sometimes, she wouldn't even drug them. She would wait for them to go to sleep and then chloroform them. Like what she was probably going to do to George, you know, standing over them, chloroforming them. And then she would bonk their head open with a meat cleaver, take them into the basement to dismember and bury them in the pig pen. And he claimed that the headless lady lured her to the farm, hired her as a housekeeper, was like, listen, lady, come. I'm Belle Guinness. Be my housekeeper. I'll pay you a bunch of money. But then ended up drugging the woman, bashed her head in, decapitated her, disposed of her head in a local swamp, removed her own fake teeth because she had dental work done, placed it near the body so that it could be identified as Belle Guinness, and then chloroformed her own children, took them to the basement, set the place on fire. And Ray knew this because he was he was waiting to whisk her away. This is like a plan that they plotted together. He was waiting. They were going to get into the car together, drive off into the sunset, make sweet, sweet love. But then he saw her run into the woods. And he was like, that's weird. So at this point, she was like a really rich woman. She had murdered, he suspected, 42 men. We don't know the number for sure because this is such an old case. And she had close to, in today's money, $6.7 million if she had actually murdered that many men. Now the police check her bank account. It was almost all completely drained right before the fire. (laughs) She was also cited by a bunch of people in Mississippi and Los Angeles. So the children were positively ID'd, but the headless corpse never was. But they buried her next to the first husband because they didn't know. Maybe it is Belle. So in 2007, yeah, so recent, okay? So in 2007, they got permission from the descendants of Belle Gunness' sister. So a bunch of like, you know, ancestors Mm -hmm. later, they said, okay, yeah, you can exhume the body in the grave to like put an end to this crazy mystery that America is concerned about. Mm -hmm. And they compared it to an envelope flap on a letter that they found at the farm. But there wasn't enough DNA. So they so could not. they don't know. Yeah, they can't even compare because there's not even enough of Belle Guinness's DNA anywhere. 
I'm sure if they really wanted to, there's got to be a way, but I think it would be so costly that no one really wants to. So anyways, they started comparing Linda to the next Belle Guinness, and it was like this whole thing. And she had her medical license revoked. She only spent two years in prison. And then the governor of Washington gave her a full pardon. So she decides, you know what? I'm going to move to New Zealand and write another book. She made a shit ton of money in New Zealand, moved back to Olala, and finished her three-story beautiful white hospital and called it the School of Health because she doesn't have a license so she can't call it like a hospital or a sanatorium was she got out of prison and then resumed back to the yes. hospital there was at least three to four more patients that died afterwards of starvation and that's just the ones that we know of that's just the ones we know of so three years after that the place mysteriously burned down and when i say mysteriously the locals came and they're like well we know that the couple has spent so much money on getting like the best of the best in there so let's go help them so they start bringing out all this like expensive stuff from inside of the fire like throwing it out the window for the couple and sam was just like don't do that it's fine it's insured like they weren't even freaking out so it just feels mysterious so another three died on that property and then another patient had died under the care of just reading her book. And the reason that this person didn't come to Linda was because they didn't have money. So Linda didn't want to take them on. Okay. So then Linda gets super sick. She decided, you know what? This is going to be my last thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to fast and I'm going to show the world that I'm right. And she fasted and ended up dying. Starvation? Yeah. Now, nobody knows the true estimate of how many people that she's killed. It's estimated to be around 20 to 40. But that's what that's just all we know. And Dora moved back to England, got married, but he tragically drowned. And she never remarried again. And she died in her 70s. It's a weird story. I don't know how to feel about it. Did Dora say any more about the whole thing or not really? I mean, she did say that this person is just so charismatic. And they're just Mm. promising you health. They're promising you this. And she said, like, everything makes sense. You know, at the time, it made sense. Mm. Like, because even today, there's so many people who do juice cleanses. And they're like, well, it makes sense. I'm cleansing my body, getting rid of all the alcohol that I drank at Coachella. (laughs) I mean, juice cleanse has its, like, scientific... I think it's scientifically proven to not work. Oh, seriously? (laughs) So essentially what I read is that your liver just cleanses your whole body or your kidney. There's an organ that literally the whole purpose is to cleanse your body. So technically, if you really want to cleanse, you can still like eat and cleanse. But there's different cleanse, right? There's so many different types. Yeah, I don't know. I can't make a statement because I know nothing. It's very interesting. I guess this is like a lifelong thing. Maybe when you have too much money, you start getting bored and start doing these very odd, strange things like the silent retreat that I'm talking about. It's true. Yeah. And then you just got to like find a way to like fix yourself, I guess. Your brain does things. Let me know. What are your thoughts on this case? And do you really think, I mean, do you consider her a murderer? Some people don't. Some people think that this is like a this is a situation of really, really bad malpractice of just the law not working in people's favor. I think it's these are the worst type of murder. Yeah. Like the murder that with a with a shell you uh-huh. know, in the name of medical practice, in the name of saving you, in the name of this, that. And they don't get the consequences because 
you know, by law, they're okay. Don't yeah, you think? and what's the difference between her doing this versus her being a regular doctor and then killing 20 people on her free time? Not a big difference at all. Yeah, I feel like this is worse. Yeah, 20 people died anyway. That's true. And she still had followers till the day that she died. Like people who were devoted to her, who said that her method was the right method. Don't do anything said in today's video because you'll literally die. People died from this. It's crazy. And I'll see you guys on Wednesday because that one... <laughs> Just wait till Wednesday. It's insane. And I hope you guys enjoyed this week's mini-sode. Bye.